keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Thursday. December the 15th, 2022. Can you believe you are like days away? It's Christmas, or not yet, but it's going to be. You are you are ten less than 10 days out now. Like, it's mind-blowing how fast things are moving at this point. But we're going to have a great show for you, nonetheless. Recovering from same-sex attraction, why we must win the war for identity in our culture. Andrew Komsky is going to join us. He's got a book out with Sophia Institute Press called Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness, A Guide to Sexual Integration. We're going to have a conversation, I think, chiefly around identity. Why that matters. Why we can't just let people subvert identity because you're made in the image and likeness of God. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. Hey, Canada is all ready to go to expand their medical suicide program. I mean, they're just giving it out like candy up there. Even kids could consider it. We're going to conversate about that at 15 past the hour. Brent Taines will join us at the top of the second hour of our program about why the Colorado wedding website designer case is important. It's at the Supreme Court. Oral arguments were just had. Just going to catch us up on that. Lots of stories in the news. Hey, an Italian blog, Mesa in Latino, uh, confirms the real possibility that Pope Francis has chosen Bishop Heiner Wilmer as the new prefect of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. What's the catch? Well, the good bishop is a big supporter of the German synodal path. So... Good times? I don't know. The Pillar is reporting Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia has diverted hundreds of thousands of euros allocated to, of course, support missionary and charitable works. Instead, he used them to renovate his apartment at the Vatican. He said it got paid back, so where's the harm? I don't know. An Italian company has allegedly been selling the rights to reproduce Vatican artwork in six-figure deals while claiming to be working in collaboration with the Vatican, but nobody's saying a word over there, so we don't know what's going on. But the good news is the Federal Reserve has hiked up your interest rates another 0.5%. It's the highest in 15 years. And then, of course, you know, following up on yesterday's uh, big riot uh, coming out because of the France-Morocco uh, game, well, I guess France won, but I'm sure you knew that because you follow soccer, of course. And uh, there was, there was uh, some violence, and in fact, a 14-year-old boy did lose his life in the midst of that. So there's that. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And, you know, I really can't get behind these mm-hmm. stories sometimes. You, you know, mean? like you can get in front of them, though. Yeah, I guess I suppose you could. But mm-hmm. how could how could it be that people act this way over a sports game? Are you kidding? Are I, you insane? Do you know every time the Boston Red Sox do something like Bostonians get out and they they turn cars. Yeah, over. I understand. I mean, it's, just, it's crazy it's to not me just that soccer. people get behind these Football, sports games. Baseball, it just it's and it creates a riot. What yeah. what is going on in your mind now with soccer? Though there's a thing you mean called footy. Footy, uh, football, a bit of footy, uh, uh, football. There's uh, there's a bit of a hooligan culture Hooliganism, around them. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I guess that maybe they're more inclined to that, but. I suppose. Happens a lot. It's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. Speaking of which, 
Adrian Fonseca's here on the ones and twos. <laughs> Not that he's absurd, but that he is a, a recognizer of, absurd. of the absurd. Right, what, what right. That's, <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> right. That's what Joe meant. That's right. uh, let it be known. Document it. Write it down right now. Uh, no, if I could ask for your prayers today, I'd be very grateful. Uh, today, my grandmother, my great-grandmother actually, is receiving last rites. Oh. So if you would pray for her soul, that would yeah. be, be very uh, grateful, and that if she has a very, if she becomes very lucid, so that way she can make a good confession as well. So if you would pray for that intention, I'm not really asking for prayers for her to come back to good health because I mean she's in as good as health as you can possibly get in when you're uh, like nearly a hundred years old. So wow. I mean she's very old. So uh, let's pray uh, if you would pray that her she's prepared for her coming of her judgment. So I'd be Amen. very grateful for that. Yeah. Let's ask Our Lady to intercede for her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Thursday, which means just one more day in the week after today, of course. And then you're in the weekend. Here are your headlines this morning. Just the News reports, Abbott asked Texas AG to investigate NGOs for allegedly aiding illegal immigrants. He says, quote, There have been reports that non-governmental organizations may have assisted with illegal border crossings near El Paso. We further understand that NGOs may be engaged in unlawfully orchestrating other border crossings through activities on both sides of the border, including in sectors other than El Paso, unquote. The letter follows one day after a mass migrant crossing in El Paso, Texas, by which roughly a thousand migrants illegally entered the country in a caravan of almost 20 buses. LifeSite News reports Joe Biden thinks you're a racist and an anti-Semite if you support biblical marriage and oppose child mutilation. He says, quote, anyone who criticizes surgeons who perform transgender surgeries is responsible for racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, etc., because it's all connected, he said. Catholic News Agency reports Jesuit Superior says that Father Marco Rupnik was excommunicated in 2019. The Jesuit Superior General, Father Arturo Sosa, has confirmed that Jesuit artist Father Marco Rupnik incurred an automatic excommunication in 2019 for absolving a woman he had sexual relations with, a fact his religious order was aware of but did not disclose until now. Sosa also contradicted the Jesuits' earlier statement and said that the restrictions on Rupnik's ministry, which remain in effect, dated from this earlier conviction and not from the 2021 allegations that the Vatican's sex crimes office decided to shelve because there were deemed that uh, there was not enough evidence there to prosecute. Ground News reports New Zealand imposes lifetime ban on youth buying cigarettes. New Zealand passed into law a plan to phase out tobacco smoking by imposing a lifetime ban on young people buying cigarettes. The law states that tobacco can't ever be sold to anybody born on or after January 1st, 2009. The minimum age for buying cigarettes will keep going up and up, and anybody trying to buy a pack of cigarettes 50 years from now would need an ID to show they were at least 63 years old. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Mary de Rosa. 
Paola Francesca de Rosa was born on the 6th of November, 1813, in Brescia, at one, as one of nine children born to the rich industrialist Clement de Rosa and Countess Camilla Albani. De Rosa was educated by the Visitation Sisters in their convent in Brescia. She left school after her mother died in 1824, and she began working in her father's large spinning mill in Aquafreda, where she took an instant notice of the working conditions. She became the manager when she turned 19, and she began caring for the female workers and devoted herself to looking after their material and spiritual needs, which was something that her father encouraged her to do. Her father began searching for suitors to have her married, but she turned each of them down. De Rosa was upset that her father did this and confessed her disappointment to the priest Faustino Benzoni, who then spoke to her father to tell him that his daughter had another vocation in mind. De Rosa lived at home for the next decade, increasing her involvement in various forms of social work. Bresca suffered from a cholera epidemic in 1836, and De Rosa went on to tend to the ill in the local hospital. It was also around this stage that she directed a home for mute and deaf women. And in 1840, she began gathering a small group of women that would later evolve into her future religious congregation. Her order became known as the Ancelli delle Carita, and she later took her religious name and was vested in the habit after undergoing her formation and making her profession in 1852. De Rosa directed her order to caring for the poor as well as the sick, since those were the main focus of her religious apostolate. She once said to her colleagues that, quote, I suffer from seeing suffering. Her order received papal approval from Pope Pius IX in 1850, after having received Austin approval from the Bishop of Bresca and Carlo Domincio Ferrari in 1843. De Rosa died at a hospital in Brescia on the 15th of December, 1855, after suffering from a prolonged illness. Her beatification was celebrated in the mid-1940s after Pope Pius XII, who also beatified her, canonized her over a decade later on the 12th of June, 1954. St. Mary de Rosa, pray for us. Praise be to God. In all things, the gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. When the messengers of John the Baptist had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine garments? Those who dress luxuriously and live sumptuously are found in royal palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom Scripture says, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare you your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people who listened, including the tax collectors, who were baptized with the baptism of John, acknowledged the righteousness of God. But the Pharisees and scholars of the law were not baptized by him, rejected the plan of God for themselves, the gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday I read to you the uh, Cornelius Alapide quote on the uh, what did you go out to see, a reed shaken in the wind. John is not shifted by the, the changing times. He is not the kind of guy who's going to wear nice clothing, eat fat foods, and live, live comfortably like so many palace bishops did in the time of Athanasius, by the way. But uh, no, John is an oak, Cornelius said. Great quote there. But I want to focus on this uh, none is greater than John section of this uh, verse. Uh, what is that, like verse 18 or 20 or something like that? At any rate, St. Jerome says, we understand it simply that every saint who is already with the Lord is greater than he who yet stands in the battle. For it is one thing to have gained the crown of victory, another to be yet fighting in the field. Close quote, St. Jerome. Father John McKeevely said this, it is between the ancient prophets only and John this comparison is instituted. Hence, neither the Blessed Virgin nor the Apostles are included, who on account of their apostolic dignity and immediate association with Christ are greater than John. Our Redeemer himself can by no means be included, even supposing the comparison to be between John and all others, because he was not born of a woman in the sense he was here referred to in the natural way. Nor can the Blessed Virgin either, for it is between men, the comparison is instituted. Uh, He goes on to say, John is more than a prophet. Uh, That John the Baptist was the most holy and exalted of all men that appeared before him, whether we consider the exalted prerogatives bestowed upon him, his miraculous birth, the losing of his father's tongue, his angelic life, his sanctification, his mother's womb, his being predicted uh, by the other prophets, or whether we regard the more abundant gifts of the Holy Ghost plenteously bestowed upon him, other prophets became such in course of life, whereas John was from his birth. Very interesting. Father John goes on to say, The least saint reigning in glory is greater than John because the former possesses the crown of glory, the latter is battling for it. And in this interpretation, our Redeemer's object would be to stimulate men to labor earnestly for the kingdom of heaven by entering the church, which is the gate to it. Wow, that's some powerful stuff. What does it all mean? How blessed and fortunate that you are, and how many would have longed, loved, begged, borrowed, pleaded, even stolen for the opportunity to to receive sacramental graces in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church founded by Christ himself. Not even John the Baptist got to enjoy that, but you do, I do. Do we use it to our advantage? Do we live in a state of grace? Do we make frequent use of the sacraments, these gifts given to us, and so many before us, so many incredible, incredible prophets, even John the Baptist, didn't get to do what you and I get to go do, confession, Holy Mass, communion. Let's not waste that. Let's take advantage, and let's give it to the rest of the world. We'll be right back. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. 
The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness, A Guide to Sexual Integration. That's a book by Andrew Komsky over at Sophia. We're going to have a conversation about his recovery from same-sex attraction and why the war for identity in our culture must be won. Must be won. Because uh, it is vitally important to take back our true identity as being made in the image and likeness of God and what that means. The implications are grave for society. And Andrew Komsky is going to chime in on that coming up at 35 past the hour. So do join us if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And Canada is expanding their medical-assisted death policies. Now, recently we started seeing some headlines about folks in Canada uh, being told that maybe it might be better if you should kill yourself, and we'll help you with that. I know you want medical care. We all want medical care, but let's be honest. You're going to be happier if you just... You know, we'll give you some medical care. A doctor will help you kill yourself. Most famously, mm-hmm. there's a Paralympian. Yeah. Who wanted to get a ramp so that she could, mm-hmm. you know, go up the stairs a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And she got a letter in the mail that said, hey, actually, you know, yeah. if this is really important to you, we can we can help you kill yourself. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, seems Talk about absurd, seems right? fair. Maybe that's a the theme of the show. Today. Just wanted Absurdity. a ramp to get into my apartment, Did, my house. That, didn't that used to be a, a really bad joke mm-hmm. before people were what? just like oh you're living a bad life just kill yourself and then now they're literally saying that <laughs> is that a joke I yeah people I'm... used to say that as like a, really yeah it's a, people used to say that all the time if you did something they're like mm-hmm. just kill yourself man yikes and now they're the doctors now they mean it now the doctors are saying <laughs> just kill yourself and now, don't worry we'll pay for it they mean it uh so let me read this a little bit to you first this is a, a headline out of the catholic news agency it says hungry poor and disabled canadians Seeking assisted suicide. So it's not just Paralympians that are getting this kind of treatment. It's uh, others. Canadian food bank clients and disabled retirees facing financial insecurity are now considering doctor-assisted suicide to avoid living in poverty. Several sources have reported, based on the definitions in the Canadian law, nearly anyone with a chronic medical condition, such as people with disabilities, can be approved for euthanasia, according to Alex uh, Shaddenberg, executive director of the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition, uh, quote, therefore, people with disabilities are requesting euthanasia based on poverty, homelessness or an inability to receive needed medical treatment. But they are approved for euthanasia based on their disability, he added. 
Uh, Megan Nichols, CEO of the Mississauga Food Bank in Mississauga and Ontario City, west of Toronto, said uh, demand has increased by 60%, and this is for their food at the food bank, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Her food bank network now serves 30,000 people per year, uh, she reported back in November. For the first time, according to Nichols, beneficiaries are reporting that the cost of food has put them into financial insolvency. Quote, we're at the point where clients on these programs are telling us they're considering medically assisted death or suicide because they can't live in grinding poverty anymore. She said in the McLean's report, by the way, did you even know? You might not have known this, but in the uh, in in Canada, you know, the country that invaded us back in the War of 1812. Nonetheless, they have a news outlet called McLean's. <laughs> True story. True story. Who knew? I didn't know. It's your cousin. Uh, where do they stand I'm on wondering the if, if we're at all related. It makes me wonder. But nonetheless, we, I digress. We go on. Quote, a client in our food bank uh, home delivery program told one of our staff that they're considering suicide because they're so tired of suffering through poverty. Another client asked if we knew how to apply for made medical assistance in dying for the same reasons. Could you imagine just how hopeless you must be to think that you really just want someone to kill you. Like, I don't think people have thought this through very carefully. We live in a day and an age where uh, we have reinvented marriage. We call wrong, right, right, wrong. And we think that killing oneself is the solution to any problem we face. And this is beginning to become a bigger and bigger crisis. Here's another article out of the Desert News and again, the headline is Canada is set to expand medically assisted death. And uh, the, a little bit of the article says, uh, according to NPR, even as early as next March, Canadians living with severe mental health could also be eligible under the law known as medical assistance in dying or made. Canada has allowed medically assisted death for terminal patients since 2016. Reuters reported that the mental health was excluded in the previous 2021 bill, but now Canada is preparing to expand to include mental health as the sole reason for accessing medically assisted death. Bill C-7, which had royal assent on March 17, 2021, repealed the necessity for someone's death to be foreseeable before they assessed medically assisted death. This bill also specified that mental health could not be the sole reason to access it. So used to be like you were terminally ill. You had cancer. You were going to die. There was no getting around it. And they, you, you wanted to control that in. That was sort of the reasoning. Not that I'm endorsing it, but that was the reasoning. Well, they've done away with that. Now it could literally be almost anything. The article goes on to say, however, according to Dying with Dignity, excluding mental health will be automatically repealed on March 17, 2023, in the federally published third annual report on medically assisted death, they said other aspects of the made policy landscape will also receive attention, including questions related to access to palliative care and disability supports, as well as requests from mature minors and advanced requests. Oh, ma mature minors. So kids can request this now. Think about that. You take your kid to a, a health checkup. And uh, the doc's like, listen, kid, let's be, you don't want to live, do you? Yeah, I mean, come on. You want to you put an end to this, don't you? And just sign here. 
how much of the parents are going to be involved. Now, I understand parents still have to agree to it, but is this is a dangerous, horrible manipulation of the world by the, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we shouldn't be standing for it. And I know I'm talking about Canada, but don't be fooled. It's happening right here in America. I mean, Washington, uh, Oregon, California, New Mexico, Colorado, New Jersey, Maine, Vermont, all have medical-assisted suicide laws on the books right now. This article goes on to say the Associated Press reported that 61-year-old Canadian Alan Nichols submitted a reason for euthanasia in Canada. His application for euthanasia listed only one health condition as the reason for his request to die. What was it? Was he dying of cancer? No. Hearing loss. Hearing loss was his reason for wanting to die. Nichols had a history of depression and other illness, but none of which were life-threatening. Human rights advocates have expressed concerns that the laws in Canada lack safeguards and negatively impact disabled people. You know, it's interesting that th- this is people who are depressed. I've been depressed. I've been suicidal in my, <clears throat> in my past. I, I've, I talked about it in my documentary film, The Other Side of Fear. Uh, I know what that's like. I can understand and relate and empathize with people who are so desperate for something to happen to change in their life, to relieve them of their depression and their hopelessness, that they would consider it. And your brain starts messing with you and you start thinking about it. I know what that is like. However, think about this for a second. Uh, How many times have we been told, you know, by medical professionals, people with advanced medical degrees... That we aren't smart enough to evaluate certain things. And yet so many people with advanced higher education degrees have given us on a silver platter the redefinition of marriage. Suicide by doctor. uh, Transgender surgeries. And so many other ills in society. We, We somehow have allowed ourselves as the body of Christ to think of this world from the terms of the world instead of through the lens of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the city of God. We must change that. These people need care, true care. They need help. They need someone to walk a mile in their shoes and be there with them. But ultimately, we have lost the ability to come to a right and good conclusion, to be reasonable. And sin is the culprit to that, but we are seeing the reverberations through all of society. Higher education is no longer able, apparently, to produce people well-educated who can come to a good conclusion, a logical conclusion. Because I believe firmly that one does not have to be a zealot, faithful, you know, a sold-out Catholic to decide, you know what, suicide is not good. And we shouldn't be encouraging people to do these things. Like, you don't have to be John the Baptist to come to that conclusion. You should just be an average citizen and go, you know, killing oneself is not good. Because murder is bad. That's natural law. All humans believe this, irregardless of the creed they profess. Therefore, we shouldn't be encouraging this on a societal level. But nonetheless, here we are. It reminded me of a time many years ago when I was uh, just the general manager of the Houston market of the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I had a local radio program, and there was a priest here uh, who was running a Catholic school, and he was very well respected, very well, uh, he, had, he had pretty good amount of uh, fame to him. People loved him and received him everywhere he went. He traveled the world and spoke, and, 
and whatnot. He had a lot of very well-connected friends, and he was terminally ill with cancer. And he sat in, in the chair Rudy's sitting in right now one month before he was dying. And he was energetic. He was full of life. If you didn't know he was dying, you wouldn't have known that he was dying because he didn't let on. And we talked about his uh, facing eternity. We talked about his cancer and what that means and God's will for his holy life. And at the time, there was a woman in the headline news from the uh, Pacific Northwest who was young and she was dealing with cancer and she wanted to commit suicide through a doctor because she could not come to grips with the idea of suffering. And when there was this interesting comparing and contrasting between his experience and hers. And what he talked about was embracing the cross, embracing the suffering, and not, and not uh, shirking the opportunity to pick up that cross that Christ has given to us and to march upon Calvary and there be crucified next to our Lord that there was great dignity in the suffering aspect. And it reminded me of my friend Doug Pearson, who I've shared many times in this program, who also in his final moments in life embraced the cross of Christ when he was dying of cancer and did so, I would say, so heroically, so virtuously, so incredible. And there are many examples. I'm sure you can think of some as well in your life of people who have proven that it is possible to, to be virtuous in the most ardent, difficult circumstances. And yet we're living in a time where society is so emasculated, where, as St. Thomas would define it, where we shrink back from the hard, the arduous, the difficult tasks, because we want comfort. We want it to be easy. Society is so emasculated that we can't be put off in any way, shape, or form. And therefore, it's better to just die. Well, there are consequences to choices, and eternity is at stake. And the society around us is suffering so mightily. Let us pray, fast, and do penance. And if God gives you an opportunity to impact someone's life who's making such a choice, please encourage them to not do it. We'll be right back. Andrew Kolmsky is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. 
That's the Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now here's a couple more headlines for you. This one's from Just the News. The headline is, Mother Forced to Pay School District for Challenging Spiritual Ceremonies in Class, According to the Assembly. The British Columbia Court of Appeals, the Canadian province's highest court, ordered Mother Candace Servatius to pay the Alberni School District's legal fees as a result of her unsuccessful litigation. She had alleged that the district forced her daughter to participate in an indigenous cleansing ritual and subjected her children to a school-sponsored Aboriginal prayer that violated the family's Christian beliefs. Both parties appealed the trial decision in favor of the district, which argued it shouldn't have to pay its own legal costs. The appeals court implies any indigenous religious ceremony can be legally performed in public schools as a, quote, cultural, unquote, demonstration because it's not trying to, quote, convert, unquote, students. And the Epic Times reports, Fed raises interest rates by 0.5 percentage point to 15-year high. During a post-meeting press conference, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that there's still a long way to go in the fight against inflation. Most officials now anticipate raising rates above 5% next year, which is higher than previously projected. Now, if you're interested in how inflation is a hidden tax, go back and listen to our Tuesday interview that we did with uh, our friend from the Heritage Foundation. You can search for that on YouTube. Just go onto YouTube and search for Catholic Drive Time. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Hey, did I mention, by the way, uh, we're going to be giving away a free copy of the Holy Mass on Earth as it is in heaven. This is the Lego book by Kevin and Mary O'Neill. We had a couple of conversations about this book so far. It's uh, fairly recent. This is like the second volume. The first one was the Lego Catechism. And uh, I, I'm really so proud of what Kevin and Mary have been able to do with this. It's a fun, great way to uh, to teach your kids because it's visually enticing for them. They love Legos, but also it is solid stuff. He embraces good, awesome, great Catholic teaching on the, the sacraments uh, and the Holy Mass using typology and imagery, and uh, you're just going to love this. It's going to be a great resource for you and for your kids, especially this time of Christmas. So if you'd like to possibly win, get your copy of the Holy Mass on earth as it is in heaven. This is the way you got to do it. You got to make sure you're on our email list and the the insider email list, which you can sign up for on our website. I'm going to send an email out tomorrow afternoon with instructions on what you need to do to get your copy, to possibly get your copy of the Holy Mass. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Go and click the uh, insider email link. It only takes a moment to get signed up and uh, super easy. And we're going to send you a free talk in your email inbox right away just to say thank you for being a part of the insider crew. And then if you want to use your phone instead, if you're like, you know, you're out and about and you're not next to a computer, pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. Uh, and you'll get in on the email right away that way as well. So uh, it's a super easy way to stay connected to us so that you can get all the goodies. And I always try to find something to send you, some some bit of entertainment, some 
I don't know, something special every week to, uh, to keep you entertained or informed on what's going on. So please do sign up because you never know when uh, our voice gets cut off, especially on these social platforms. It's always precarious at best. And so the insider email plus our Telegram group is fantastic ways to uh, stay connected all the time. But we're very grateful for everybody who hangs out with us on our live video feeds. And uh, like right now, over on our Telegram group, I see Nick the mic there, Damon's there, Josh is there. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for, uh, for hanging out this morning. We, we appreciate that. Praise be to God. All right, so one, one last time. Go to the email. Get signed up. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. You know, I, back in 2014, I, re- I wrote a book on overcoming porn addiction. Uh, I also f- produced a documentary film uh, sharing my own story of growing up with porn addiction and how God saved me. But many years ago, I was interviewed by the National Catholic Register about my journey, my experience on porn addiction. And the, the journalist who interviewed me brought up how I, I pointed out that I was not uh, once addicted, always addicted. That's a very common thing you'll find in like uh, 12-step programs, once addicted, always addicted kind of thing. And I'm, I don't subscribe to that. And the reason why I didn't and I still don't is because identity matters. I am not my brokenness. I am not my sin. I'm a son of the Most High God, b- made in his image and likeness. And if I sin, I have recourse to grace through the sacraments. And I said that, and it's like you could see light bulbs going off, but so many people have thought in the terms and through the lens of once addicted, always addicted, which this is what's caught my attention with Andrew Komsky, who's got a brand new book out called Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness, A Guide to Sexual Integration, someone who has struggled and overcome same-sex attraction in his own life. Good morning to you, Andrew. Hey, good morning. I loved I loved what you just said. <laughs> yes and amen. That that's beautiful what you were reciting about your own declaration. Yeah, it's a war for identity in our culture mm. today. And I think yeah. we're seeing it, are we not? I mean, look at mm-hmm. just uh just was it yesterday the day before the big party on the White House White lawn. House. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh celebrating the redefinition of marriage with a transgendered right. singing talent or something. I mean, the the war for the yeah, the war for the souls of mm-hmm. the world is really hot and heavy right now. But share your own uh, journey. How did yeah. you overcome this identity crisis, this struggle within? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I think two things always at work. Uh, one being the Holy Spirit calling me, calling all of us into what is most real and true about ourselves, and then. Secondly, um, the awareness in my early wanderings into homosexuality and so on, um, kind of the futility of that, the dead-end nature of trying to find myself in the mirror of, of, of another, another person of my own gender, and how alluring that is and seductive, especially to men in this very focused, sort of, uh, you know, focused sexual thing. Um, so alluring, and yet uh, uh, just unable to come into a fullness uh, because of his sameness, really. And and so uh, I think the call of Jesus in my life to say, there's actually more for you, don't settle for that, uh, and then finding 
some some solidarity and community with people that that agreed with what the Lord was doing in my life and helping me to take the necessary steps towards integration. And that was many years ago, but I'm so grateful for that transformational beginning where, where again, the wooing of the Lord to sort of, you know, to make peace with who he is, and at the same time to make peace with who I am as a son and as a man made to image him in relationship to friends with guys, but also the freedom to engage, you know, wholly with women, which is simply my call as a man. I mean, it's not rocket science here. My body tells a story, and that is in the direction of creativity and, and dignifying woman. And so that was kind of the beginning point many years ago. And the effect of all of that was beginning to to rally people uh, to to do similarly, not not only in coming out of homosexuality, but in a host of other addictions and identifications, um, such as what is the case in our world today. And so that's simply been the work that I've been about for the last 42 years, um, right at the beginning, right at the beginning, actually, I, I became engaged to a wonderful woman. And so she and I have been serving together in this work. And, uh, you know, we have kids and grandkids. And so our our growth together as a family has kind of been part and parcel of expanding this family of persons who are also you know, through Jesus and through his community, um, discovering a sure route to integration or, or to chastity. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what we've been about. And I'm, I'm so grateful. It's been a been a good life. <laughs> yeah. Praise be to God. We're, we, we have about yeah. just about a minute and a half before we go to a quick sure. network break. But I'm really curious, what was early family life like for you? Uh, maybe you can start that before we go to break. And uh, did that have yeah. an impact on your decision to engage in the homosexual uh, behavior that you uh, you did in high school and in college? Yeah, I mean, I would I would attribute it both to culture and to family, and, and then also just to my own rebellious nature, frankly. Um, but yeah, my family was a, a pretty sound family in many respects, but uh, there there were disconnects especially in relationship to my father and also my brothers. So there was kind of a disidentification with my masculine adequacy, and that was reflected in relationship with the men in my family. So I'm not putting it on one person, on them, but I, I would say the interplay was certainly a frustrated one and at the very least left me more vulnerable to trying to find myself in the mirror of other men. All right, hold that thought. Andrew Koymski is our guest, Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness, A Guide to Sexual Integration, which you can find linked up at sophiainstitute.com. We're going to come back after the break and continue this conversation. How hard was that journey, that uh, coming back from the edge there? What was that like? What inspired him? All that and more is coming up next. 
Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Coming up at the top of the second hour, if you're at all able to join us, Brent Haynes is going to be on, catching us up on the uh, website designer's uh, case in the Supreme Court. What's the status with that? Mm. Why is that such an important thing for all of us to be paying attention Mm. to? Uh, Stick Mm. around for that if you can. But Andrew Kormsky is our guest. He's got a book called... Comiskey. Comiskey. Yeah, Komiski. Komiski, yes. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Uh, Andrew Komiski yeah. is our guest, Rediscovering <laughs> Our Lost Fullness, A Guide to Sexual Integration by Sophia Institute Press. Um, well, yeah. Andrew, uh, again, thanks for that. I appreciate that. But could you tell me, what was the what got you to change? What was the thing that got you to, to back away from that lifestyle? Yeah. Well, I think uh, I I was aware of the witness. I had two older brothers who had been difficult for me growing up, but they had both become born-again Christians, not Catholic, but strong, sort of born-again Christians. Their lives had changed as teenagers. I could see that. And, and as a result of their coming into a knowledge of this Jesus, there was a softening and a deepening of their care for me, frankly. So they went from being oppositional and sort of, you know, I was, I was the soft kid. I was the one that was easy to beat up, et cetera. And then they went to being very concerned about their brother who was sort of morphing into this sort of gay beach guy in Los Angeles. And, and so my brother's repentance to Jesus resulted in a tenderizing of heart and an authentic care for my well-being, which was was actually founded in the fact that they were aware that I was in trouble. So I would say that was a big converting influence. And I would I would give that as a rule, basically, for anyone who's dealing with an LGBTQ loved one, etc. Um, it's not just going to be about, don't you know the truth? Yes, I know the truth, and I know that I am in opposition to it. But what I need to know is that you are for me, and your being for me is based on the fact that you have a deeper, truer vision 
of who I am. Mm-hmm. And that was how my brothers operated. And there was a strength, but there was a kindness at the core of their strength that, frankly, I had never seen before. I had never, I had never seen it in, in them. I would seen it in some guys, but never them. And so the effect of that was an opening to this Jesus. And then when I, I did you know, turn my life over to him and uh, just said, I, I'm, I'm at the end, you know, there was a realization that, like I said, this is a dead end. Like, I am not going to find wholeness uh, in the arms, in the eyes, in the semblance of masculinity uh, in another guy, you know, uh, that that's just not going to happen. And so my gaze became Jesus Christ. I looked into the perfect love, liberty, if you will, and and like I said, found the support that I needed to begin to take constructive steps out of that. And then mm. this, this resulted in my becoming a Catholic and kind of getting rooted in the historic church and um, and and really what is our you know, impeccable understanding of what it means to be human. Uh, and, and you know, St. John Paul II and the theology of the body was such a significant part of, of coming into an awareness of my human foundation made in his image uh, and the redeeming work of Jesus, the sacramental life, etc., all of that being so much a part of raising up these core foundations mm-hmm. uh, in myself and in serving other people to do the same. So, so the work that we do is is um, in parishes and dioceses, is in in forming groups called Living Waters. We actually equip lay persons who are pastors, their elders, their diocesan leaders, and we're helping them to effectively engage with their male and female peers who are dealing with a host of sexual issues. I would say Catholics are amazing at understanding what sexual wholeness is. I would say Catholics are quite limited in mobilizing the one another to actually take steps together. This must involve the priest. It must involve confession. But I think there are constructive ways that we can gather as peers. And I dare say, and I, I say this in complete agreement with what you said about addiction, addict is no longer my identification. But I still, I have to say for myself, I can still live very close to the edge mm. because of the power of the idolatrous world in which we're living. And such as what you said about the celebrations in the Supreme Court and on the White House lawn and all of the ways in which the boundary lines are breaking out there in the world. Really, it's kind of like the the moral ozone layer is almost gone in regards to sexual order and protection. And and all of those things, I think, prey upon the vulnerable. And, and in light of that, we really do need to come into the light and into redemptive community where we are known, where Mm -hmm. we choose to be known and are actually activating the, the, the power of this church against which hell will not prevail. But I think we have a responsibility in activating 
the resources that are there. And that's a little bit about what we want to do in mobilizing the laity uh, to, to actually gather effectively in order to take steps in the right direction in our integration, whatever our starting point is. And in that sense, to 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 kind of cover each other's backs and say, mm-hmm. I'm I'm standing with you in this and I will fight for you to take the next steps. And in, in so doing, I'm activated and I'm strengthened and I'm taking steps forward. So I think the one another is something that Catholics can discover a lot more about. Uh, I think evangelicals have actually done a better job of gathering uh, for recovery's sake. Now, as you say, sometimes with lopsided spirituality and so on and so forth, but um, we who have perhaps a greater clarity uh, historically and morally, uh, we we need to activate in a practical way, I think, to to take the steps we need to take to to get free and to stay free in the areas of sexual Amen. sin and disorder. Andrew, you know, the one thing I thought it was really great, the advice you were giving, especially in regards to whenever uh, family members. But what about mm-hmm. in the public square whenever we are mm-hmm. going about our day and, it's, mm-hmm. so to speak, a uh, man on the street, you have someone accuse you saying, oh, you hate gays or, oh, yeah. why don't you just let people love each other? And you're put on the spot. Yeah. What's the best way to respond? Because, I mean, in this kind of situation, there's no way to, uh, you know, accompany the person, to love the person and these kind of things. Um, How do you respond? No, I appreciate that because I think we we have to give an answer in the public square and in casual relating where, as you say, we don't have maybe a lifetime to sort of convince them, etc. So I I am one who just thinks I need to, I just need to express my Christian point of view of reality, and that is that Sexual love only flourishes when a man and a woman are committed to each other. And anything less than that, whether it's casual sex between a man and a woman, whether it's uh, two same-gender friends kind of pursuing this, frankly, delusion that, that, that we can sex this thing up and, and that makes it loving, you know, I, I would simply say, well, one is free to do that, but that isn't optimal for human happiness and and that's simply because god god has deemed it otherwise and so i major on what actually makes us happy in the long run and that has to do with 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 ordering our sexuality that that may seem archaic for many people and it may seem like well that's not what i want and so i'm going to go ahead and pursue whatever i want and I would say at that point, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't make choices for you about what you do, but I'm going to be really clear with anyone who has a listening ear, or if I'm in a roundtable discussion at work or whatever, I'm, I'm going to express that and, mm. and, and be true to that. But I, I think I'm going to lead out with what is good and true and beautiful, and then say not, not to, I mean. Obviously, today, because the transgender thing, especially, which is just another step on the spectrum of the unraveling of 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 the Imago Dei, but but you know, rather than sort of be crisis oriented and centered on that point, 
I think we always still have to start with what what is so great about a man and woman that are committed and audacious enough to say, I can actually make true this commitment. That That is so beautiful and so aspirational and so dignifying. And so I, I think I would I would land there and then just say, yeah, and so let's let's just reach mm. a little higher and let's have a higher vision and and also own the fact that we're also vulnerable to lesser things and be gracious about that. But but let's goad each other on, you know, whether we're we're all Catholics or all Christians or not, we can still in the human family say there's such a better way and so anyway, I, I don't hesitate to bring that up with, you know, my my non-Christian friends. And, yeah. and, you know, why not? You know, it's a it's a really good deal. It's a challenging one. But but anything excellent is is worth a good goad. Wouldn't you say we are getting down to uh, just about a minute here? And I'm really curious. Uh, when did you you're going to have to be quick on this one? But when did you become Catholic? And what did your family say when that happened? got about a minute when when i became catholic yes sir um yeah well uh, i was i'm the only catholic in my family so they were um they're they're pretty strong evangelicals and so they were um i think yeah i mean moderately concerned (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know to sort of introduce being a catholic into a a strong protestant family but um yeah so i you know it was another challenge. I'm so grateful I did it. And uh, I, I would not turn back from mm. uh, the Amen. foundation I've discovered. And Amen. So, yeah. So All grateful. right. Praise be to God. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Komiski, uh, yes. our guest. Thank you so much. We're grateful for your time today. Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness, A Guide to Sexual Integration at SophiaInstitute.com. Andrew, God bless you. Have a great day, sir. Yeah, thank you, brother. Bless you. Bye. God bless you, too. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, Brent Haynes is going to be on. Going to catch up on that uh, Supreme Court case, why that matters. Plus, we have our game show and the after show. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT for all the details. Otherwise, we're going to see you right back here tomorrow with E. Michael Jones. Planning on shopping online this year for Christmas? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season. I had a personal experience that was life-changing for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and um, in the midst of the absolute horrible heartache, I happened to be flipping through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music, and I happened to find Catholic Radio. And ever since then, I have been tuned in religiously, 
and I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, this is Catherine. Cormac, Henry, and Reagan. We attend Holy Rosary in Midtown. And you're listening to 1430 AM Radio for Your Soul. KSHJ Houston. With prizes at stake, you could win. You do have to be our caller to win. You have to make a phone call. I'll give you the phone number. And when I do, the first caller gets to play the game. So I'll do that at 15 past the hour. Be ready for that. Get your phone finger ready to uh, your dialing dialing finger. Remember back in my day when we used to have to do the rotary thing? Like, shh, shh, and you had to wait for it to come all the way back. Then, no shh, way. Wow. It's not in your day. Shh. Yes, it was. There's no way. 100%. My parents didn't even have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. Yes, It's the original did. thing, bro. Oh, man. And, oh, man. And it was just like that ugly. Hey, speaking of rotary phone thing, oh, it was horrible. And you no. couldn't even like you had to get like that big banana looking attachment to keep it on your shoulder. That I'm not. I ain't. It. I ain't buying what you're Cause selling because you, you get cramped in your sh- in your shoulder muscle for holding it to your uh, your head though, right. for like more than 22 minutes. Speaking yeah. of rotary, mm-hmm. is the Rotary Club Freemason? Uh no, no, they're not. They're okay. their own flavors. Something or other. Yeah. Hey, by the way, um, you guess who called me last night? Um, the IRS. Steven Spielberg. No way. He heard that I got a brand new camera. For real? And he's like, I heard you got the Lumix S5. Spielberg. What are you going to do with that thing? And how can we do something special together on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't Steven. And then, I don't think it was Steven Spielberg. I think it was uh, Bruce Stefan. Stefan Spielberg. S- Stephen Stephen Spielberg, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did get a new camera, and God, it's so... It's like a kid with his toy at Christmas time. It's like, what? Oh, look at me. This button does cool things. And then he dropped it. Joe was texting me pictures of it at like 8 p.m. Like, why are you still awake? Don't you have to get up at 3 in the morning? Dude, I was watching every YouTube video I could find on how to set it up. He's like, it it was 5 o'clock, and he was like, I'm just going to watch a video on how to do this thing. And then he looks, and he's like, it's 8 o'clock. Oh, no. That's exactly right. Happens every time. Uh, Stunky X, yeah, he, he knows my pain. He remembers the old struggle bus with the phone rotary dial thingy dingy those were good times yeah i'm oh, gonna be man. uh i'm gonna be filming gabriel castillo so nice. we're gonna do a uh documentary the gabriel on, castillo? on the peace people on him gabriel castillo oh wow you know back Ooh, to phones show 
Mm-hmm. Back to phones, though. Yeah. I'll never forget. I, yeah. I, I grew up at the tail end of this, uh, this era, mm-hmm. some would say, <laughs> of having the embarrassment, having the cojones to have to call somebody, mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody's house, yeah. the, the, the girl that you had a crush on. You had to call them. Okay. And anybody could pick up the phone on the other side. And it would just be so embarrassing to have to do that. Now you can just text. So You, you know what I used to no, do no problem. as a prank as a kid? So uh, Did you used to call people? That was a thing. Prank caller. Shock jocks in radio used to crank call people live on air. You know who used to do that? Our buddy Jesus Robles used to do that. Oh, yeah. But there was these DJs. uh, There was these radio DJs, shock jocks out in Boston, that they made a career out of this. And uh, they would would produce albums of their crank calls. (laughs) And people would buy these albums, these CDs. (laughs) That's of horrible. All their, all their crank calls. But here's the here's the thing that I used to do as a kid, just for fun. So the phone would ring, and I'd go pick it up, and I go, "Hello, is Steven there?" And they would be like, "Um, wrong number." What? And I go, "Oh, I'm sorry, wrong number." Then I hang up. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, "Wait, what just happened?" We used to do I prank calls those. whenever we were kids. But what we would do because it was. Um, during the time where we had uh, what's him called uh, caller ID, and so we were like, our friends are gonna know because we try to we I would prank call our friends. Star seventy nine, baby. Well, no, what we would do is that we had this app that would uh, change our number, and so the number would appear as if it's coming from somewhere else, and we could actually change our caller ID to whatever we wanted. <laughs> and so we would do that, and we would prank call people all the time. Me and my buddy Sean would stay up yeah. like all night yeah. uh, prank calling people. Good and, times, um, yeah, good times. Yeah. Prank calls are still lying? a thing, a by the way. Except, are they? well, some people call now and want to get you to sign up for their yeah. Their, the, I don't ever their answer the thing phone. Or I'm like, if they know us, they'll wait, leave a voicemail. I need to help like, you with your extended yeah. warranty. Yeah, exactly. You better act right now. Dial one to speak to another. No, I'm I not dialing anyone. About, uh, about settling my loans mm-hmm. uh, and loan forgiveness. I get those all the time. Like, hey, I know you have a ton of loans. Mm-hmm. Can, we can help pay them off. And I'm like, um, really? I have no loans. Wow. Bye. Amy says, uh, when a boy would call for my older sister, we yell for her, it's a boy! Oh, man. She always wanted nice. to kill us. Nice. Uh. Anyway. Our good friend Brent Haynes is on the line. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, everyone. Praise be to God. Hey, when you were, do you remember rotary phones? You remember? You, are you old enough to remember rotary phones? Well, considering I'm older than you, Joe, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, I didn't want to out you. I mean, uh, I just thought I'd set it up for you. I, Brent, I thought that. you were 30. <laughs> Do you rem- I am not a, I, I'm not embarrassed by my age. Oh, good. So. Praise be to God. Did you remember the era of crank calls? Did, did, did you, as a kid, do crank calls? Oh, I can, you know, I've never confessed that in the confessional, but uh, of course I wasn't Catholic when I was growing up, but yeah, I, I, that's something completely uh, just unknown to the current generation, isn't it? But yeah. yeah. I mean, remember when radio, uh, that, that was a thing on radio all the time, the crank calls. Yes. It was such a yep, thing. It and was. It was brutal too. Just brutal what they would do to these poor, innocent people, not suspecting that they were being broadcast on radio all over the country. But uh, yeah, that was a thing. Hey, speaking of things, there's this court case at the Supreme Court for a woman out of Colorado who uh, is a web designer, and she does not want to use her skills, her aptitude, her her art to uh, to support uh, the redefinition of marriage or couples that. Uh, are same-sex attracted, those kinds of things. What's going on there? 
Well, a lot of people are going to remember the famous wedding cake designer uh, case, Joe, that came from Colorado where Jack Phillips, a baker, was asked to make a custom wedding cake, not a cake off the shelf, huge difference, but a custom wedding cake for a gay marriage. And he said, no, I don't, I'm a Christian. Uh, I can't do that because I don't you know, want to promote gay marriage or participate in that. That's against my religious beliefs. Now, Jack Phillips won at the United States Supreme Court, but he won on a rather narrow ground. What happened was the Colorado Human Rights Commission, so-called, uh, when they heard his case, because these cases are first heard in a bureaucracy before they go to the court system. You have to go through an administrative process. That commission actually was foolish enough to say what they really thought. And they said what they really thought about people of religious faith, or at least Christians. And so they showed their hostility on the record. And the Supreme Court did what courts really should do. Courts are not supposed to make grand sweeping decisions that are very broad and affect a lot of people when they have a, a case before them. They're supposed to make a decision that decides the issue before them that's been fully briefed so that the judges are fully informed, so that the arguments have been worked out by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, worked out for two or three years probably. And the Supreme Court looked at the Jack Phillips case and said, wait a minute, before we get to this issue of religious beliefs and free speech and all of that, and this government law that says he has to make a case, what are you all doing expressing hostility to religion? And that's a pretty narrow ground, but Jack Phillips won at the Supreme Court, but that's how he won. The Supreme Court said, we don't even reach this issue of whether the government can make someone bake a customized wedding cake for a gay couple because you all just started right out of the gate saying that you don't like Christians. And that is unconstitutional because religious belief and practice in the United States is protected. So Jack Phillips won. That case went away, at least temporarily, but the result is the Supreme Court did not decide the fundamental issue of free speech and the fundamental issue of religious freedom and how Christians are allowed to behave in the workplace. So go forward. Other cases are going on all the time. Lori Smith has the website, as you mentioned. She wants to uh, design websites for uh, Christians who are getting married, or, and she doesn't want to design websites for same-sex couples. And Colorado says this is a violation of the anti-discrimination law. Lori Smith hasn't done any of these websites yet because she doesn't want to face the punishment and the fines that would uh, occur if she did this and someone complained about her. So she sort of filed a preemptive strike. You can do that in certain situations. She went to court and basically said, look, declare this law unconstitutional or at least let me operate without it being punished by it. And Colorado said, no. And here's the difference on this case and the previous case, Joe. Even though the real basis of this case is Lori Smith's religious beliefs, when the Supreme Court takes a case, they don't necessarily take the entire case. A lot of people might be surprised by that, but cases often have more than one issue. And in this case, the Supreme Court narrowed it. They wanted to focus on one issue, and they said, we're not going to take your objection to this law on religious grounds, where you say this violates your religious rights on the under the Constitution. The Supreme Court said, we want to hear your case on the ground where you claim it violates your right of free speech. So even though this is a very important hmm. and 
could be the most important religious freedom case of of our time. Uh, it, it might not be true because with this court, we might get another one like this as they develop these issues down the road. But even though this is a free speech case, Joe, this is a very important religious freedom case. Wow. That is uh, strange. Why? How you is? If, if I'm like, listen, guys, this is against my religion. I can't do this. Why, why would the Supreme Court say, you know what? That's all well and good, but we don't want to hear that. We're changing your intention from this to something else. That seems like that seems pretty squirrely, though, Brent. Well, no, they didn't change the intention. I mean, this is the argument of Lori Smith. You know, she's saying, look, you can't make me do this. That violates my right of free speech. She's saying you can't violate my right of free speech. And the Supreme Court has good reasons to do that because there are a lot of cases that have nothing to do with religion that where this issue can come up. And, you know, lawyers like to divide and categorize and analyze and go through things thoroughly. And so they want to look at the free speech issue. So what Colorado says is, look, it's not a matter of free speech. This is a public accommodation. Colorado is essentially saying this is no, they are saying this is no different than refusing to serve black people in a restaurant. This is no different than refusing to rent a hotel room to a gay person. And they relied, relied upon a case uh, that involved U.S. military recruiters being prohibited from or being, not being allowed to use uh, rooms or property on, military, on university campuses during the anti-military an even stronger anti-military era, you know, before the military became woke and became accepted, Joe. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Lori Smith says, no, this is compelled speech. This is the United States of America. If you make me do a website for, for a gay wedding, then you are forcing me to speak in favor of gay wedding. It is essentially an endorsement. I'm participating in it. In it. You're making me endorse it. Yeah. And her lawyers are relying upon a case from Boston years ago called Hurley, where the um, the gay the Irish the a gay group wanted to participate in the Irish American uh, in the Irish American uh, gay and lesbian parade, and in that case the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the um, of the parade organizers, and they said if you allow a gay group to march in the parade. That's a sort of saying like the parade organizers are endorsing whatever that, that group in the parade says. Mm. We don't make people in the United States say things they don't believe in. That's what Lori Smith is saying about her website business. If you make me do same-sex wedding sites, uh, websites, then you're making me basically say I agree with same-sex weddings. Yeah. The other side is saying, no, it's just like serving people at a restaurant. There's no speech involved. Or the speech is just incidental. It's just like letting them have a room to use to recruit at a university or serving a, a black couple at a restaurant. And they raised all the horror stories about bigotry, racism, all of this, you know, as if the world was going to end, if, if we uh, don't make uh, people engage in these businesses the way they want to make Lori Smith uh, make websites she disagrees with. All right, so arguments were heard. Uh, we're down to uh, just about uh, 60 seconds here. What do you think the outcome is going to be? Do you have any predictions? Thanks to the position we have on the Supreme Court, as long as we can hold it, you know, we have five conservatives, four, you know, four pretty good conservatives, really five, uh, counting Gorsuch, and then we have our somewhat moderate conservative, John Roberts. You know, we probably win. Um, the the uh, we could you know, we could lose. It's possible. But we probably win this. The question will be how strong an opinion. 
the oral argument was over two hours long. People can go online and listen to that or download an app on their phone if they want to. Uh, oral arguments on cases like this are very accessible and understandable. You don't have to be a lawyer to understand uh, the main points. We probably win. We probably won't get a decision until June or maybe May of next year. Wow. Next year. Let's pray for a great outcome on this story. In Colorado, college you is noticing a trend here, Colorado. Um, we'd like to see that trend reversed. Maybe the people of Colorado could just vote different. It'd be better. Uh, all right. God bless you, uh, Brentains. We're grateful for your time and input and uh, analysis of this story. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Have a great day, Brent. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. Coming up after this quick break is fear and trembling, an opportunity to uh, win prizes. Your chance is right now. You could win. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play. It's coming up next. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard heard him speak at the time took him literally then my question is why does anyone today 2000 years after the fact take him symbolically also in verse 51 of John 6 Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh when did he give his flesh for the life of the world on the cross was that symbolic if you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and fear and trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets. Need an inhaler? And agendas. Actually, I might today. Who knows? But nonetheless, we have secrets that we keep just between us. You can't tell them to anybody, right? So that's the deal. But uh, there are 
a few things on the down low, the QT, or as some would say, the quiet tip that we like to do just between us. Number one, we like to teach the faith where we have teachable moments in the questions where you can learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And uh, probably not today. I'm going to be honest with you. These questions look super simple. I don't know that you're going to learn anything today. But then we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. Our callers laugh with us. We enjoy that probably most. And we give out prizes, uh, which makes this a winner. Because you could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. But you do have to call 877-757-9424. Had a caller on the hook, but they dropped. So that phone line is open for you right now at one 800 let me start over. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Joe giving out that... Uh share thought number. Uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Let's not confuse things. It's hard enough as it is. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 877-757-9424. But the kicker is, the secret sauce is, we don't ask the callers the questions, so they don't need to know the answers. Uh, they could still win, uh, because instead of asking them, we ask Rudy and Adrian, one of which gives us a correct answer. The other gives us an incorrect answer. Caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the cup, the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our good friend Damon has generously donated this amazing rosary for us to give away this week. If you're watching us on the live stream, I'm going to hold it up to the camera and you can see it. If you're listening, I'll describe it to you. It is an heirloom quality rosary. I don't Ooh. say that very often. You know, things these days, manufactured stuff is not all that great. It doesn't last very long. But this is actually handmade by Damon's father. Every link has been handcrafted, prayerfully crafted in this rosary. It's made out of two types of hematite. Uh, don't ask me which types those are. But mm -hmm. the heft of it, the feel of it in the hand, mm -hmm. it, is, it is wonderful. It's mm -hmm. One of the greatest rosaries I've ever seen. I see. No. And whoever wins it this week, actually, tomorrow we're pulling the, yeah. the winner. Mm -hmm. Please offer a couple rosaries Got for it. Damon's family. Okay. Now, if we don't know what kind of hematite it is, can we just say Italian? Can we say Italian hematite? Yeah. I don't know. Do they have hematite in Italy? Imported from the hematites of the uh, Dolomites. The, the grand... Dolomite hematite. Can we say that? <laughs> Legally? Is that allowed? <laughs> Uh, let's just go with it and not question it. But true, uh, true. a lot of calls came in. Praise be to Woo! God. Hey, if you don't make it on today, call back tomorrow. Call in early. You Still can get a chance, a chance. Uh, to win this particular prize. We'll give out this prize tomorrow. But uh, praise be to God. We're grateful to Damon for giving us a prize to give away. Let's go to the phones. Adet, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Adet. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from San Antonio. Wow. Uh, now, San Antonio. Let me guess. It's not mm -hmm. just famous for uh, no. being the home of Judson High School? It's Well, I was going to say of the 10th grade history student of the year, oh, okay. uh, namely yours truly, it, it has other reasons for being famous. Praise be to God. Right, Adet? It, it does. It yeah. does. Uh, great mm -hmm. food, mm -hmm. beautiful scenery. Okay. Uh, <laughs> those are all good, valid reasons. We like those, too. Uh, where do you go you to church, me? Adet? I go to St. Andrew's in Lytle, just south of San Antonio. I think, is this Lytle. our first St. Andrew from Lytle caller? This is ever? the first Lytle caller. Praise be to God. That's amazing, Adet. Well, we're grateful you're here today. Now, you sound like you're driving, so like our Loop 410, what are we talking about here? 1604? Uh, 35. Whoa. <laughs> you are serious about this then. Uh, nobody yeah. goes on 35 anymore. I don't know if you knew that. You didn't get the memo, avoid 35 like the plague. Are you going the speed limit? Hmm. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very cautious answer there, mm-hmm. Dad. Very mm-hmm. cautious yes. answer. Praise be to God. Well, we're going to be praying for your your travel today. Hopefully, it's as smooth as silk. But uh, you're probably sitting in traffic, so you got time on your hands and no googling the answers. Are you ready to play, Dad? I'm ready. Let's do this thing. We're going to start with Rudy Carlos. In spite of the fact that he still wears no tie anymore, I have corrupted him. Apparently. <laughs> uh, good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Are you ready? I am ready. Uh, trick question, this first one. Okay. You sure you're ready? I, I'm definitely ready. De- definitely. Sounds definitely confident. 100%. Let's see how that goes. Uh, Rudy Carlos, mm-hmm. can you tell me who is the patron saint of lawyers? That would be St. Brent Hay. Oh, actually, no. It's St. <laughs> Thomas More. Uh, St. Brentifer Haynes. Brentifer <laughs> how, how would How would we Latinize Brent? Brentontius? Brententius? Uh, I don't know. What is Brent short for? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll that's not your answer anyway. No, it's not. This is a it's total Thomas, rabbit hole. St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More is your answer? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Hmm. Now, Adrian, I'm sure that you are an expert on this subject because clearly you like to lawyer on Twitter. Oh, uh, so I do? Giving legal advice seems to be one of your strong suits there. Um, this is not legal advice. Uh, could you tell me? me who is the patron saint of lawyers? Yes, the patron saint of lawyers mm-hmm. is Saint Devalanus. Uh, what? Saint Sorry. Devalanus. Devalanus. Yes. See, there's a Latin name for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Devalanus. Yeah. I'm like, uh, Thomas More? <laughs> like, what is that? How's it go? Thomas More. Oh, okay. <laughs> is, that, is that even like, is that even a real person? I don't know. Let's Latinized. find out. Latinized. Let's find it's out. English. Uh, Adette, uh, you got options here. Uh, the patron saint of lawyers, is it Devananus? I don't even know if I said that correctly. Devananus, as Adrian seems to think, or St. Thomas More, as Rudy suggested. 15 seconds, Adette, what say you? Uh, I'm going to go with Rudy. What? (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I can't seem to figure out why. No, I said uh, Devilanus. Devilanus? I missed that. Because lawyers. Because St. Lucifer is there. Because lawyers. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> lawyers. Just kidding. Just yeah, kidding. We joke. love lawyers. We're joke. kidding, Brent. Don't yeah. send his hate mail yeah. after. Send it to my attorney. I'm getting texts from Brent. St. <laughs> Thomas More is the correct answer. God love all attorneys today. Praise be to God. All right. You're in the cup. You could win a debt. Let's see if we can't double your chances with this next question. And this is always the tr- this is the tricky one, to be honest. I-, I would never get these correct if I had to answer them myself. Luckily for me, I have the answer in front of me. Uh, all right, we're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, real quick, off the okay, top of your off head. Off the top of my head. Temp station right. of the cross, go. Uh, Christ is crucified. Okay, that's your answer. That's my answer. Christ you said off the top of my head. Off the top of your head. I tried not to think about it. Just right. gave the first thing that popped in my head. Well, let's see what Rudy says. Rudy, could you tell me? Not off the top of my head? No, I'm going to give you a little okay. bit more time. What? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. Rudy, if you <laughs> hey, could take thanks, your time man. and ponder this, uh, right. but if you could give me an answer. The tenth station of the cross, sir. Okay, that would be... I'm pondering. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Okay, here we go. Yes. It is Jesus is stripped of his garments. I see. Now, just think about this for a second. Uh-huh. He has just been scourged. Yeah. His blood has coagulated. They I have see. ripped off his garments, reopening yeah. all of those wounds. I see. Those wounds that he took for us. I see. That's that's your answer. Yes. It's a long one. Yes. Okay. All right. Pondered so it. You got to say that I pondered it verbatim, Joe. <laughs> you got options. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, was it Jesus' blood coagulating and being ripped apart again with his, ro- with his uh, robes being stripped? Stripped off, as Rudy seems to think, or was it Jesus crucified as the tenth station oh, of the cross, as Adrian wants us to believe? Fifteen seconds of debt. What say you? 
I'm going to go with Adrian. What? Now, a dead. <laughs> oh, no. No, sorry. That's the 12th station. The 12th station, station is Crisis Crucified. I gave you the bell. Oh. I gave you the bell just to raise the awareness that one does not admit Adrian is correct publicly. <laughs> I, we, I'm sorry that they tricked you. It is it is a tricky question. I, I, in fairness, I said I would not get this. To be correct, fair, the yeah. only station I know is the 12th station. Yeah, and that's Christ's crucified. That's the only one I know. That's why it's your answer yeah, for everything. <laughs> Jesus is stripped of his garments. Is the 10th station across? But don't worry. This next question, we're getting you in there for a second chance. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy. Okay. What is the mantle-like vestment which reaches from the shoulders to the ankles, opens in front, clasps at the neck, which is worn by the celebrant at nearly all solemn functions except the Holy Mass? Think exposition and benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. Good visual, Joe. That is known as the seethe. The, the, the seethe? Yeah, seethe. The seethe. As in, I'm seething. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Uh, Adrian, what do you say? Uh, the mantle-like vestment which reaches from the shoulders to the ankles, opens in the front, clasps at the neck, and is worn by the celebrant at solemn functions except for mass, like adoration and benediction. What do we call that? Yes, that would be a cope. Cope. A cope. cope. C-O-P-E. Cope. All right, okay. Cope. Adet, oh is it a cope? As Adrian says, or is it a seethe? As Rudy wants us to believe. 15 seconds oh on the clock. God. Who's right? Who's wrong? A debt? I'm going to go with Rudy again. No! Don't go with the other way. <laughs> no, I heard Adrian. I heard Adrian. I heard it. You were, yeah, I see what you were doing there, Adette, trying to play f- oh my God. fast and loose on so us like that. To listen to on the radio and not think of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, is it? You did great, though. Cope is the correct answer. You are correct. You're in the cup for two. Good job coping with us today, Adette. God love you. Enjoy your drive. We're going to put you on hold, but we're really appreciative that you called in today. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. I had a laugh. That was fun, but let's have more. Go to the after show and hang out with us, and let's remember the 80s and 90s together. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you there. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Thursday of the third week of Advent. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. 
Please join in singing our opening song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We will sing verse 2. O come of all the nations, King, the world awaits thy ransoming. Remove our hate and faithlessness. Unite us who thy name confess. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Unworthy servants that we are, O Lord, grieved by the guilt of our deeds, we pray that you may gladden us by the saving advent of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Raise a glad cry, you barren one who did not bear. Break forth in jubilant song, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the deserted wife than the children who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the space for your tent. Spread out your tent cloths unsparingly. Lengthen your ropes and make firm your stakes. For you shall spread abroad to the right and to the left. Your descendants shall dispossess the nations and shall people the desolate cities. Fear not, you shall not be put to shame. You need not blush, for you shall not be disgraced. The shame of your youth you shall forget. The reproach of your widowhood no longer remember. For he who has become your husband is your maker. His name is the Lord of hosts. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, called God of all the earth. The Lord calls you back, like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, 
a wife married in youth and then cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with great tenderness I will take you back. In an outburst of wrath, for a moment I hid my face from you, but with enduring love I take pity on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is for me like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah should never again deluge the earth. So I have sworn not to be angry with you or to rebuke you. Though the mountains leave their place and the hills be shaken, my love shall never leave you, nor my covenant of peace be shaken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will, I will praise, praise you, Lord, for, for you, you have rescued me. me. I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me clear and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld. You preserved me from among those going down into the pit. I will praise you, Lord, for you, you have rescued me. Sing praise to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime his goodwill. At nightfall, weeping enters, but, in, but with dawn, rejoicing. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, forever will I give you thanks. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Alleluia. shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When the messengers of John the Baptist had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out of the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine garments? Those who dress luxuriously and live sumptuously are found in royal palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom Scripture says, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of woman, no one is greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people who listened, including the tax collectors, who were baptized with the baptism of John, acknowledged the righteousness of God. But the Pharisees and scholars of the law, who were not baptized by him, rejected the plan of God for themselves. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
This morning's gospel, we see Jesus pointing to John the Baptist as a part of the lineage of great prophets from the Old Testament. Indeed, John is the last of the great prophets pointed to by Jesus, but also, of course, by these unusual circumstances surrounding the birth of John, born to parents who were too old to have children, given a name by God directly to be called John. All of those are signs that he is a great prophet. He is the forerunner of the one who is to come. When we look at the splendor of John and we think that Jesus says, among those born of woman, none are greater than John the Baptist, it's always striking to see the humility of John, that despite, in a way, his greatness, and we can imagine, you know, there could have been some temptation to ego to say, hey, I'm pretty good. Jesus just said, none have been born of woman greater than I. And yet John understands and sees his entire mission to be to deflect away from himself and to point toward Jesus. Imagine the humility of John to be able to do such a thing. I suppose it would be in our context today somebody who maybe on Twitter would have a hundred million followers and who would all of a sudden one day say, you know what, all of my followers, you go over to this other account, <laughs> I have to decrease and disappear so that he can take you all on. It's kind of what John did with Jesus. Contrasting the humility and the mission that John has to complete what God has given him to do and accomplish in his life, we hear at the end of today's gospel that the Pharisees and scholars were unwilling to receive the baptism of repentance which John was offering. Here on the opposite to the humility of John, we can see the pride and therefore the obstinacy of the Pharisees and scholars. If it doesn't quite fit into their box of what religion is, they're unwilling to move, they don't accept John, and they are therefore unwilling to repent. For us in our Advent journey, we are reminded today in a special way that really each of us in our life, even though we have an ego, we're all called to deflect and point away from ourselves to Jesus. We're all called to realize that our mission in life does not consume ourselves, but ultimately it is meant to be an exalting and a praising of God, a praising of Jesus. And to do this requires humility, and to do this requires that from time to time we too need to repent, because we know we have obstacles in our life that sometimes block us from being able to fulfill the plan and mission that God has given us to its perfection. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask that, like John the Baptist, we would be filled with this virtue of humility, that we would be consumed with the mission that God has given us to be disciples of Jesus and to point to Jesus as the true hope of the world and the light of all the nations, and let us ask for the grace of repentance, that when we fail, we would always be willing to confess our <laughs> sins and to be restored in our sonship with God the Father. Amen. As we await with longing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters, let us, with renewed devotion, beseech his mercy that as he came into the world to bring the good news to the poor and heal the contrite of heart, so in our time also he may bring salvation to all in need. 
that Christ may fill the Pope, our Bishop, and the whole order of bishops with spiritual gifts and graces. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That Christ may guide the minds of those who govern us to promote the common good according to his will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That Christ in his mercy may free all who suffer persecution. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That as witnesses to Christ's love before all, we may abide in the truth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the virtue of humility in our lives and for the grace of repentance. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Almighty, ever-living God, who brings salvation to all and desire that no one should perish, hear the prayers of your people and grant that the course of our world may be directed by your peaceful rule and your church rejoice in tranquility and devotion through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please join in singing on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist's Cry. On Jordan's bank the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. Then cleansed be every breast from sin, make straight the way of God within. Prepare we in our hearts a home where such a mighty guest may come. For thou art our salvation, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept, we pray, O Lord, these offerings we make, gathered from among your gifts to us. And may what you grant us to celebrate devoutly here below gain for us the prize of eternal redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming 
the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation, that when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncele et terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and, once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The Mystery of Faith We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, 
with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, 
I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Our communion song is Panis Angelicus. Panis Angelicus, fit Panis Ominum, dat Panis Celicus, mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us, we pray, for even now as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Please join in singing Alleluia, hurry, the Lord is near. Alleluia, hurry, the Lord is near. Alleluia, alleluia, hurry, the Lord is near. Alleluia, hurry, the is near. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits 
who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Ann Quatrini, the principal from St. Francis 